Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Genesis. This great book is often called the foundational book of the Bible. It is the book of beginnings. We see God as He creates the world and man, and He deals with mankind generally and specifically. And in Genesis chapter 1, we're seeing the all-powerful God, the God who speaks, the majestic God who brings all things into being out of nothing. In this chapter, chapter 1, we're seeing the six days of creation. God creates the heavens and the earth and everything that's in it. As we continue this evening, we're focusing really on the sixth day, beginning about verse 24 is where we are. In, in that day, we see the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. Man is made in the image of God. What does this mean? What does it mean to be in the image of God? And what are we supposed to do? What, what, what's, what's man's responsibility? And we'll see that. As we continue this evening, our focus will be on this sixth day and how God put the world together, created it, and the whole idea of mankind. As you know, this is a this is really an overview passage because if you look at verses 26 and 27, it says, So God made man, created man, male and female, he created them. We know that's the overview because if you go to chapter 2, you get the details of how he did it. And so we want to see how these things fit together. May we understand how special and unique Every person is, each one. May we glorify our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's start with a a prayer, and then we'll get into the passage. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for the great songs. Wow. And uh, good music and lifting up our voice and praise and adoration to you. And so, Lord, we just ask you that as we continue to study, thank you for the book of Genesis. Thank you for the information that you have given to us. The, uh, the the information about how you created all things, how you spoke it into being, and even the details, especially as we get into chapter 2. And So, Lord, we just ask you that uh, as we study it, you teach us. Thank you, Lord, that the Bible is perfect. It is your written revelation to us. It is the Word of God. It is alive and powerful. It is the truth. It never comes back void. It is profitable. It is everything. And so, thank you, Lord. It is the basis for our lives. So, Lord, we just ask you that we would study it, and we'd make application, and we'd pass it on to others. Help us to understand it and know it. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. How's your self-image? We know that each one of us is uh, really needs to have a healthy self-image. That's what people talk about. And what is a healthy self-image? What does it mean? What's the proper view of self? How should we view ourselves? Some say, well, this is how you view yourself, that we're sinners, we're fallen, we're evil, we're never going to measure up. That's, some people look at it that way. In fact, they say things like, we're just sinners, wretched sinners saved by grace. That's one view. The other one is, well, we're pretty good. We're okay. We're, we're pretty pretty neat. In fact, we're better than most others, and we're, we're pretty good. Well, that's a pride. And I think both are extremes are wrong. How should we see ourselves? And the truth is we should see ourselves as God sees us. We're made in the image of the living God. And what does it mean? We know that we're sinners, that we're fallen. All mankind comes in this world fallen. We also recognize that we are created by God, made in His image, special and unique. No other person is like us. Now that's what's so incredible. You think about all the people that's ever existed and ever will exist, and no two people are the same. They don't even look exactly alike. Even if you get these identical twins, they don't look exactly alike. And they sure don't think exactly alike. Nobody will ever be like you. You're the most unique, special one. That's why it's so strange to me that some people, they they want to be just like somebody else. And there's times that you say there's somebody and they're sharp and they're neat and you say, I'd like to be like that or I'd like to have those characteristics or I'd like to have that type of thing. But but to say, I I don't like me. I, I don't want to be the way I am. I want to be something else. I want to be like somebody else. God, why did you make me like that? Well, this evening we're going to look in our study and we're going to see the creation of man and what we were like before the fall. 
We're made in the image of God. We'll see how that ties together. Let's begin. Let's think about it. God made man in his image. You and I are created in the image of the living God. How valuable is a life? Have you thought about that? How valuable is a, is a human life? How much would you spend to save a human life? Our culture is seems to be moving further and further away of of thinking that life is valuable. In fact, we know that because of some choices that have been made by our government and things, that uh, that the value of life is is diminishing. Psalm eight says, "What is man that you would take thought of him? How valuable are we?" Psalm one thirty nine says, "God forms us. God." Created us, forms us in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God even has a plan for our lives, as he tells us. He has precious thoughts about us. He says, the thoughts that he has of us, the precious thoughts, are more than the sand on the seashore. Each person is unique and special and important. Each person is made in the image of the living God. Not all people understand this or realize this. I want to read this to you. It's pretty sad. It was a note found by a teenager, teenager's homeroom teacher. Here's a note written by this teenager. It says this. I look around and all I see is a school and a world that could do without me. I've gotten here but only by fate. My death, I'm sure, will not come late. I try to find a meaning. When I close my eyes, the pain goes. When I open them again, the pain shows. I try not to cry aloud. Wouldn't matter anyway. I'm lost in this crowd. You can pretend that I don't live... But I'll keep living till my life gives. The uh, teacher found this note. It was a suicide note by a young teenager. It was a little girl. She never realized that she was made in the image of God. She didn't realize how special and unique she was. She thought maybe it was some fate that she happened to be there and there wasn't any sense in going on in life. Well, this evening we're going to see the creation of man that were made in the image of the living God. So far, we've seen the first five days. Beginning in Genesis 1 and 1, if you remember, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A summary statement, beginning in verse 2, the rest of the way in chapter 1, at least, even through into chapter 2 a little bit, we see God creating the heavens and the earth, and He does it in six days, and He rests on the seventh. We'll see that next time. God did this. And now, if you remember, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so, what we see is some key points. Is First of all, it is God who is the one working. It is the fact that God created. It didn't say he evolved the heavens and the earth. He created the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth is the ordered world system, the universe, all that we can see and know. Let me give you a brief review of what we've seen. We've seen that on the first day there was light and darkness, and then the second day water and sky, and the third day vegetation and land, the fourth day the sun for the day and the moon for the night, and the fifth day was the creation for water, the animal things that went in the water and the air, and then the sixth day we're going to see the animals and man and vegetation for the land. Because what you see is that in day two, there's the water in the sky. And then in day five, there's the, the, the people, the things that go in the water in the sky. And in day three, the vegetation and the land. And then day six is what goes on that vegetation and the land and how that all ties together. So it's pretty amazing. We come to this final day of the sixth day of creation. And you notice we've been seeing that in every one of the days, I think we go to the next slide, 
that, that it always starts out, and God said, that's the introduction, then there's the command, and then it was so, it was fulfilled, and then he gives an evaluation. So notice verse 24, then God said, there's the introduction, and here's the command, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so, I mean, it was fulfilled. And uh, it, it always does it that way. It, it, you know, he says, let it bring forth, I think the next little section up there. Well, I'm sorry, I, I guess we, maybe that's how we ended it right there. I thought there was something about uh, about bringing forth, but maybe we don't have it. In verse 24, he said, let it bring forth living creatures, their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts. And it was so. Now, he brought these animals onto the earth. Now, he's already put plants and trees and all these other things. And now he brings animals onto the land, basically. He's put, he's put uh, things in the water, and he's had birds flying through the sky. But now he's going to put these, as he calls it, these beasts, these cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. Now, I think one of the key things that we look at, he says, let the earth bring forth these living creatures after their kind. And the idea of kind there means that they're going to be after themselves. Like this dog is going to have dogs. These cats are going to have cats. These cows are going to have cows. They're not going to be a cat becoming a dog. It's after their kind. It's after their group. It's after their section. There are a lot of different kind of dogs, but they're still dogs. You know, that's the amazing thing about it. They're still dogs. You can, you know, I, th- I read one time about this guy doing all this research on these fruit flies, and he said, see, look what we've done. Some fruit flies have this many wings, and we can make them have this many wings, and we can have this many. But the truth is, they're still fruit flies. It doesn't matter. They don't become something else. They're still fruit flies. They may have a bunch of wings or less eyes or more eyes or legs are missing, whatever it is, but they're still fruit flies. And it's still dogs get dogs and cats get cats and cows get cats. I mean, that's what it does. Let every beast, it says, and they will bring it after their own kind. Cattle, creeping things, beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. We see different kind of animals. There are these domestic animals, as he says, the uh, cattle and creeping things. And then there's the creeping things seem to be some type of insects or reptiles or no telling what they are, you know, bugs, which we all would say, why, why did you do bugs? I mean, you could have done anything but bugs, right? And, and there's these beasts after their kind. And, and they seem to be the beasts seem to be what we'd say is the, the, the animals like lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Anyway, the zoo... Uh, you know, there's just all kind of different things. You know, I think it's the most amazing thing that if you if you go to a zoo and you see all of these animals, and they're all so different and they're all so weird. I mean, there's some animals you say, look at the way God made that animal. Look at this animal. Look at this animal. And you look into the water and you see all these different things, and it's it's just so incredible that the the uniqueness and the design and the creativity. We've got a God. You know, let's be honest. Don't you think there are more? I mean, there are more kind of animals than you could ever count. I mean, you could say, I, I think I've had enough. I don't know. We don't find anymore. I mean, there's so many. But, but the God who is infinite just made more and more and more. I had a seminary professor that said, there's always, God always makes more than you need. Always. Salvation is more than you need. See, because he died for every person. That didn't mean every person was going to believe. But he provided salvation for every human being. He didn't provide just enough oxygen that if one of us breathes in too much, another person goes, I don't have enough. What happened? Why is there, you know, he's got more than enough flowers. There's, there's plants on tops of mountains that nobody will ever see. There's animals in the sea that nobody will ever see. There's more than enough of everything. And so he said, let's let, let the earth bring forth these living creatures after their kind. They're going to all come into their kind. Cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. 
And what is so amazing here, notice it goes on and says, So God made the beast of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. That's his, his evaluation. You don't see a struggle for evolutionary existence. The animals are coming after their kind. If you go to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 39, he says there are all different kinds of flesh. There's flesh of birds and flesh of animals and flesh of this and flesh of... What he's saying is there are different kinds of things. Cats don't make dogs and dogs don't make cats. Cats come after cats and dogs come after dogs. There's the man and the beast and the birds. We're all different, not evolving into something else. Well, we see the crown of of God's creation. It's going to be mankind. And it's an incredible verse. And most people, when you talk about the creation of man, you say Genesis 1, 26, 27. That's the verses people would say. Notice what it says. And God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over a creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, as you know, that this is the summary statement. When you read Hebrew, a lot of Hebrew writing, oftentimes there's a chapter or a section in which it gives a big overview. And that's what chapter 1 is. Chapter 1 is a big overview of the creation, giving all six days. When you get to chapter 2, he then, usually there's another chapter that follows or another section that follows in which he gives details of what he considers the important part. You'll see this in the genealogies. He'll list all these names but then he'll find, of some of those names, he then pulls them out and gives the details because they're important ones. In Genesis chapter 1, he gives the creation of the whole world, but the most important thing in this whole creation is mankind. So in Genesis chapter 2, he comes and gives us the details of the creation of mankind. Genesis 1, if you only had Genesis 1, you would say that God created man and woman, male and female, at exactly the same time. That's what, he's given the overview. And he's given them the, the issue. He said, let us make man our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over the creeping things, everything. So he created them, male and female, he created them. That's a summary statement because we know when you get to Genesis 2, it wasn't that way. He didn't create them both like, there they are, okay. That's not what he did. We'll see it, but this is a flow, this is a big statement. Look how he starts off. And God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man. Man is made in the image of God in his likeness. What does this mean? We're not talking about a physical image. John five twenty, uh, John four twenty four says, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He's a spirit being. Now you understand when you think about deity, we all know that the deity... The tr- is made up of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, one God and three persons. We talked about that several weeks ago. And it hurts your head to actually try to figure it out. You, you, you believe it to be true. You can't comprehend three in one. You just can't. But the Father, Father is a spirit being. He doesn't have a body. God is a spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The Spirit, Holy Spirit, is what kind of being? Spirit being, I mean, it makes sense. Holy Spirit, I mean, so he's a spirit being. Doesn't have a body. The Son, Jesus Christ, from all eternity until a particular time is a spirit being. And then at a point in time in history, Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his Son born of a woman. At a particular time, God became, Jesus Christ became a human being, the God-man. 
And we're going to find from all eternity from this point on, he has in himself placed himself in a human body. So when we think about being made in the image of God, people want to say, well, what's he like? Well, uh, it, when we're talking about image of God, we're ma- it's a spiritual image. It's not a physical image. Man is a reflection of God's spiritual aspects of nature, that aspect of, of we're having a mind and emotion and a will. Man has a moral conscience. We have a concept of eternity. You realize in every person there's this concept of eternity because God is an eternal being? Every one of us in this room, you know there's something after this. You know it is. People can say, I don't think so. I think you just die, you die. They know it. Ecclesiastes says he's placed eternity in our hearts. It's there. Everybody says, wonder what's that? why do you think people have made up all this stuff about what, you know, there's an alien being going to come get you and take you away. And I mean, there's just everything in the world because people don't want to think that this is the end because it's not the end. It's not the end. There's eternity in our hearts. We can think abstractly. We, we have a capacity to know and worship God. Augustine said this, he said, man has this God-shaped vacuum within him. It's true. When, we, when mankind comes to this world, we already know that we're, we'll see it as we get into chapter 3, but we are dead in trespasses and sins because of the sin of Adam, passed unto all, we're made like him, we come into this world dead in sin, and we are spiritually dead, and there's a vacuum inside of every human being that, that the only thing that could ever fill it is God. And some people never fill it. They never feel it at all. That's why there's something wrong with them. That's why their life is miserable. That's why they never put it all together because there's something missing and they refuse to basically come to the living God so they can be filled. Man is made in the image of God. It's very powerful because God is a spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. He's a spirit being so made in the image of God doesn't mean some physical image. Now, you'll find places in the Bible where it says, I brought them out with my mighty hand or the arm of the Lord will do this. That's called anthropomorphism, which means giving characteristics to God, human characteristics to God. He doesn't have an arm. There is a Hebrew word for anger when it says that God was angry. It's the word for a... A hot nose. It's the word for like, my nose is, I'm really mad, you know. Well, God doesn't have a nose, but it's a, it's a way that, that when we, we would read that, we have an idea of what's going on. Charles Rowry says, image and likeness. Made in the image of God, made in the likeness of God. He says, image and likeness mean the same thing. Man in some way is the concrete reflection of God's spiritual abstraction. Now, we are like God, but we're not God. R.C. Sproul says, realize that being made in God's image doesn't make man God. He is finite, dependent, and derived from God. We're not God, but we're in the image of God. The fact that we're in the image of God sets us, sets human beings apart from all the other creation. Now, if you go through all those verses that we've gone through, he doesn't say anything was made in the image of God. Not in that way. Now, there's the, the touch of God on everything because God is the creator. And when we go out and look at the creation and we see the sunset and the sunrise and the stars and all these things, we go, wow, did you see that sunrise? Wow, did you see that? Most people don't see sunrises, they see sunsets because they don't get up. But the bottom line is it's, it's the handiwork of God, but it's not the image of God. Man's made in the image of God. Man is unique. 
created in the image of God to rule, to have dominion over the creation. In fact, if you notice, it says, uh, And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God says, Let's make man in our image. Now, before we deal with that, God said, Let us make man in our image. Who's the us? Because we said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I thought it was, it was God. And then there's this creation. Well, who is the us? Some have said, well, it's the angels. No, angels aren't creators. Angels spirit beings created by God himself to serve him. That's what they do. So who is the us? The us is the, yeah, question? Oh, you want to answer? Who is it? It is the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is exactly right. In fact, the, the Hebrew word for God, Elohim, is plural. Not because it's God's, but it's God in a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. And as we see that, we see God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, creating the heavens and the earth, creating mankind, doing all of these things. If you look at the Bible, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, Elohim, God the Father. Verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. That's the Holy Spirit. You go to Colossians 1:16 and 17, all things were created by Him, for Him, and through Him, talking about Jesus. So Jesus is the Creator, the Father is the Creator, the Holy Spirit is the Creator. So when it says, and God said, let us, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image. Now it says, let him have rule. Let him rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The idea of rule is dominion. Man is to rule the creation. This creation, you understand, was put here for us. God created the whole world and put man on it and said, it's for you. Rule over it. Rule over the fish and over the cattle and over every creeping thing and all of this. It's yours. Man was created to have dominion and rule over the earth. It's powerful. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. That's a pretty powerful statement. We're going to come... In just a minute, we'll talk about ruling the world. But notice verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Got it? In the image of God, he created him. He says it twice. In fact, if you go to verse 26, let's make man in our own image according to our likeness. That's two different ways of saying it. He says it. Then he gets in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. He says it twice again. He's making sure that as we read this, we understand what he's saying. He made man unique and special in the image of the living God. And then he says, male and female, he created them. There's a unique word play going on here. In Genesis, when it says, let us make man, verse 26, it's Adamah. It's the Hebrew word Adamah, which is really the word for dirt. Because we're going to realize when you get to chapter 2 that he takes dirt from the ground and he forms the man, the Adamah. The normal Hebrew word for man is ish. And the word for woman is isha, which means out of man. In this passage, he doesn't use ish. He uses Adamah, which is... Adam. That's, that's why we call him Adam. And so it, it, you could say it this way. God said, let us make Adamah. Let's make Adam in our image, according to our likeness. And let him rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and the creeping things. So God created. Now, there's two things here. In verse 26, I just want you to get this. God, God said, let us make man. That's a unique word. 
it's a make. It, it's it's a word. It could be used by God. It could be used by people. It's like to say, say, I'm gonna, I've got something here, and I'm going to, um, I'm gonna kind of make this like this. Yeah, that looks pretty good. I got it. That's what that word means. Over here in verse 27, God created man. That's a whole different word. That's bara. That's the same word back in Genesis 1:1. In the in the beginning, God created bara. That word means to make out of nothing. It's God is only the subject of bara. Man is never said to create in that way. So in verse 26, he talks about making man, but in verse 27, he says, God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. He uses it three times to create. Man is created to rule over the earth. See, I Schofield said, made in God's image to rule the earth, subject to his creator. When you realize what God did, God said, okay, I'm going to put, I'm going to put mankind on this earth that I have made, that, that I did so much things every day for six days. I put man on this, and I expect man to rule over this world. And he's, he wants them to be fruitful and multiply. Verse 28 says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I don't want you to stay in one little place. I want you to just reproduce and take over the world and rule the world. It's to be in subjection to you. You are to rule over the world. Rule the earth. Now, does the world belong to us? No, it does not. Who does it belong to? Belongs to God. He's the creator. In fact, everything belongs to him. Psalm 24, verse uh, verse 1, it talks about verse 24 and, and, and verse 50 of, uh, of Psalm 50 and, and, excuse me, Psalm 50 and Psalm 24 says, God owns the world, He created it. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord and all it contains, the world and all who dwell in it. It's the Lord's. Who do you belong to? God. You remember when they came to Jesus and they were going to trick Him? And they said, we got a question for you. They'd been lining up to ask these questions. Of course, every time they'd ask a question and give such a great answer, they'd go back and go, who, has, who, who's, who sent me up there? You know, and they'd go back. But they said to him, okay, we got a question for you. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? And they thought they had him. Because if he said yes, they'd say, so you're for the Roman government. And if he said no, they'd say, so you're against the Roman government and you're, you're violating the law. They could get him either way, they thought. He said, anybody got a coin? Whose image is on the coin? And they said, well, Caesar's image is on the coin. Then you, you, this is made, this, who's got, whose image is on this? Caesar's. So you give to Caesar what has his image on it. And you give to God what belongs to God. We are made in the image of God. What he was saying is, give what belongs to Caesar, Caesar. Give what belongs to God, God. You belong to God. You're made in the image of God. That's what he's doing. And they went, thank you very much. And turned around and walked off. Because that's what he did to them. See, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and all who dwell in it. We belong to God, every one of us. That's why when a person says, I do my own thing, nobody does their own thing. He decides when you live. He decides when you die. He decides what you look like. He decides all of these things. He's the sovereign ruler of all things. Psalm 50, every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to him. But he has placed us who belong to him on this earth. And what does he say do? He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That's verse 28. Man has been appointed to rule the world. To subdue it. 
we are stewards of this world. People are all bent out of shape on this world. And I mean, there's people, there's, there's, there's people who worship the world. Did you know I read an article, uh, just about a year ago about a person who believes that the earth is alive, the earth is really God, and that we are polluting the earth and we should all be dead. We should, all human beings should be dead off the earth because the earth is what's alive. It's called Gia, Gia, religion aspect. And the earth is a living entity and we're polluting it. And so we need to be all dead. I mean, the person said all human beings need to be wiped off the face of the earth. No, human beings, the earth belongs to us in the sense it's God's, but he's entrusted us as stewards. Remember what a steward is? We saw it on Sunday mornings. A steward is one who's been entrusted with the responsibility. And God says to us, here's the world that I created. Here's everything. Here's you. I created you. I'm putting you here. I want you to run this. I want you to rule over all these birds and trees and fish and animals and everything. And I want you to subdue it. I want you to take over. I want you to run it. We have to realize that the earth is God's. Everything is God's. Let me tell you this. You, you say, can I go into your office? Guess what? That's not my office. It belongs to the church. I say it's my office, but it's not really my office. Can I use your computer? That's not my computer. I don't own it. I'm just a steward. I get to use the office. I get to use the computer. I get to use the desk. We had a person one time that worked here that said... I deny anyone the right to come into my office. And you know what I said to that person? It's not your office. It's not your office. You get to use that office. You'd be a wise steward of that office, but that's not your office. So don't be demanding anything of anyone. See, you can come into my office anytime you want to because it's not really my office. Don't mess up my chair. It's not my chair. Okay. <laughs> Oh, my. The earth was given to man to use, but it belongs to God. And we see the creation of man made in the image of God to rule over. Think of the uniqueness of every person. Let me ask you this. Think about this. Is every person made in the image of God? What about the child in the womb? Image of God? How about the older person in the nursing home that doesn't even know anybody's existing anymore? Is that person made in the image of God? Is that person valuable? How about the handicapped person or the Olympic athlete or the 13-year-old with braces or the CEO of a big company? Are they all just as valuable? They are. Our world tends to say this person is important and this person's not. All created in the image of God, all special, all unique in their own way, in the way that God has designed and God has planned. How do you view yourself? Special and unique? There's nobody like you. There'll never be anybody else like you. Don't try to be like somebody else. Just be the best you you can be because God made you the way you are. With your gifts and your talents and your personalities and all for His glory. So we may say that man was special. Made in God's image before the fall. We sinned. Mankind fell. But guess what? Still made in the image of God. Genesis 9, 6. After the fall. After the flood. They come off and it says in Genesis 9, 6. If a man kills another person by man, that person will be put to death because human beings are made in the image of God. Image of God. 
James 3 verse 9, men are made in the likeness and the image of God. Now here's the problem. The natural man no longer understands spiritual matters because we're fallen. We come into this world dead in trespasses and sins. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 says we don't understand the things of God. We don't. That's why when you're talking to an unbeliever, stay only on the issue of salvation because the Holy Spirit's convicting them of the fact they have not believed in Jesus. Don't get off on all the other issues. They can't comprehend them. If the Holy Spirit, and as he is convicting them, it's of the issue of believing in Christ. So stay on those issues because the natural man does not understand spiritual matters. Number two, the natural man now loves the world rather than God. He does. He loves the things of this world. See, how does a natural, when we say natural, we're talking about the unbelieving world, how do they try to fill the hole, the God-shaped vacuum? What do they do? How do they do it? That's what I say stuff. Stuff. They get stuff. The more stuff you get, you you got to get something. See, if you get that new iPod deal, then it's going to really make you happy for about two days, 15 minutes. You get a brand new car, maybe a week. You get this, you get this, you get that, you get that, and you think it's going to satisfy, you think it's going to help you. That's why people are going out and they're buying the boats and the houses, the cars. I mean, they have all this stuff. And and when they get it, it's nothing's different. Nothing's different. O.J. Simpson, we know all the trouble he's been in, but before, before all the trouble... I remember reading an article from about him, and he was in the article talking about it. He had already completed his pro football, and he was the, one of the greatest football players of all time. He was in the movies. He was everything. He was rich. You could, everything he said, he said this. He said, I have everything anybody could ever want. He said, I'm famous. I was a great athlete. I have money. I have a family. I have all of this. And then he said, but something's missing. Is, is this really all that there is? See, if you don't have God, you don't have anything. You just don't have it. So the natural man loves the world rather than God, and the natural man worships the creation rather than the Creator. Romans chapter 1 tells us that. That's what's wrong. Every human being has two things. Has eternity in their hearts. I'm talking about every fallen person. There's eternity in their heart. And in Romans 2.14, they have the law written on their hearts. They know right from wrong. That's called a conscience. We're going to see it when we get to chapter 3 in the fall. When man, when God says, now that you know right from wrong, you have a conscience. And every human being comes in this world with eternity in their hearts and a conscience to tell them right from wrong. Every human being. In Jesus Christ, we are restored to that relationship with the Creator. Now, in Genesis 1, when He's creating man and what we're seeing here tonight, uh, there's no fall, there's no separation. We're going to see that He creates, and we get into chapter 2, and He creates man and, 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 and woman and everything. And boy, He's coming in the cool of the evening to talk with them. And they're having the greatest time you could ever imagine until sin entered the world. Notice the plan, verse 28. God bless them. You see, he's talking about, this is the big plan. God bless them. He's talking about both. God said to them, here's what I want you to do. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. That means take over. Rule it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Take over. Reproduce. Rule the world. Man is not the top of some evolutionary chain, but he is created in God's image to have dominion and subdue this world. Powerful. When you read some of the writings about we're we've just evolved from a lower form of animal up to this, 
And, of course, here's my question. If we could speed things up, what are we going to be next? What are we involving into? God said, no, you're not involving into anything. In fact, I made you really good. You kind of messed up. I'm trying to fix you back. Right? Now, notice something that you may not have thought of. Verse 29, Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it will be food for you. Man's a what at this time? He's a vegetarian. He's a vegetarian. Not going to eat an animal. Not going to go kill an animal and eat it. We'll talk about why in just a minute. Notice the next verse. And every beast of the earth and every bird of the sky and everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Both man and animals are what? They're all vegetarians. Why? Why doesn't one animal, why doesn't the lion look over there and jump on that little thing and eat it all up? Why doesn't it? Because there's no death. There's no death in the world. Animals aren't eating each other. There's no death. We not go, man's not going to go out and say, I think I'm going to get me a steak. There's not that because there's never been a death because there's no sin. Sin brings death. There's no death. That's why when people say all these dinosaurs and all these things lived for hundreds and millions of years and these subhumans and they all killed it. That's not true. There wasn't any death until sin entered the world. Romans 5.12 As through one man sin entered the world and death by sin, death passed to all for all sin. There was no death in this world until the fall of mankind. That's why the animals... We're vegetarians in a sense. That's why people are vegetarians. Now people say today, well, is it okay to eat meat and all that kind of stuff? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. In fact, people say, well, should we eat whatever the Mosaic Law said to eat? Because wasn't that what God gave his people and we should eat that? Well, if you go to Mark, Jesus is speaking and he talks about food and he says, you can eat anything. And he talks about it. And then the Bible actually says, thus making all food clean. All food. So when people say there's certain things you shouldn't eat, now let's face it, there's certain things, I mean, ice cream is really, really good, but you can eat too much of it, right? And you can eat too much hamburger, and you can eat too much, I think you could probably eat too much broccoli. I think you could. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you this, it's not going to happen with me. It's not going to happen with me. I'm never going to eat too much broccoli. Or, uh, but, but the truth is, you can eat what you want to eat. Just be wise in how you eat. Kyle and Delitz say this. These are two uh, Hebrew scholars. In their commentary it says, Men were not to slaughter animals, nor did the animals prey upon each other. Sin has not entered the world. So death hasn't entered the world. Look at it, the conclusion. God saw all he had made, and behold, it was what? No, it doesn't say good. It says very good. Notice a little change, because all the other days he says, And God said it was what? It was good. But then he got to the end, and he said, You know... This is very good. I've, I've, I've done a pretty good job. And the evening and the morning were the what? Sixth day. People say, I, I just don't think he did it in six days. I think it was a long, long time period. Well, you know, we talked about it when we did the study when we started several weeks ago and that the only possible way you can interpret it if you read it according to the Hebrew that it's literal days. And my question always is, it's not, could he have done it in six days? My question is, wonder why he took six days to do it. Couldn't he have just said, there it is. I'm going to speak it into being. Let there be a world exactly as I want it to be. Could be there. Now, we know why it took him six days, right? Because it's the pattern. Next, let us 20. 
He, he told the Jewish people, you should work six days on rest on the seventh, for in six days God created the heavens and the earth, and all that is in them, and the seventh day he rests. It was a pattern for mankind so that we work and we rest. We work and we rest. That's the pattern. That's why he did it that way. Powerful truths. What have we seen? The power of God as he speaks and creates, as he forms the world, we see as a God of order, different days, different creation, different things. Man created the image of the God, the purpose to rule the world, and rule over this earth. He has a relationship. He's made in the image of God. He is to have all authority. Alan Ross, who was a Hebrew professor, one of the professors I had at Dallas Seminary, said, out of the darkened chaos, God sovereignly created the entire universe in six days, bringing order from mankind to enjoy and to rule. It's powerful. Let me give you some applications quickly to take the time to focus on God. Think about it. What is our worship, our response? Is God is the sovereign one and his overall and he does what he chooses to do and, and we are in his hands and we are shaped by him. And so think about God, the God who created all things, everything belongs to him. The God who, go to the next one, is powerful. He can answer any prayer. Think about it. God can do anything because he's all powerful. The third thing, God is all wise and that means all things work together for good. The whole creation, everything, even the fall, it's all in his wise plan. And we'll talk more about it. God who has this purpose. He's not, it's not fate, but sovereignty. There's no such thing as fate. There's, go back if you would. There's no such thing as fate. There's no such thing as going out and your tire is flat and you go, what a, what a bad, I got bad luck. There's no such thing as luck. God is the sovereign ruler of all things. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. And everything that comes into your life is because he has allowed it to come into your life. There's another aspect. He's a God of order and things are a certain way. And they're a way they are because he says that's the way it's going to be. He's a God of order. Well, number two, think about this. Realize we're made in the image of God. Each one special, unique. God has made you. Where do you get your value? Do you get it from your job, from your looks, from your grades, from your possessions? Is that how you get your value? You say, I'm so valuable, look at my house, look at my car, look how fast I can run, look at the good grades I made, look at the job that I have, look at the power and the prestige I have. Is that how I get my value? No, you get your value from the fact that you're made in the image of the living God. He created you and you are unique and special. And that God's Son, Jesus Christ, has redeemed you. That's where we get it. So live, a eh? Live as a special ones created by God for His honor and glory. Realize who you are. Nobody's like you. Never will be. B, see the value of others. And this is where it really gets down to it. You have to see the value of others. All are special from the unborn to the very old. What is our response to others? Well, number one, treat them all with respect. All are special. You know, in James 2, it always amazes me. In James 2, he says, he talks about showing partiality. He says, what if in your church, the rich man comes in, he's got all these rings on it, showing his wealth, and he comes in, and you say, here, let me get you a good seat, sit right up here. And then the poor guy comes in, and you say, well, I don't know if we can find your seat. In fact, it actually says, won't you sit under this seat? Sit over here. He says, you're showing partiality. Is a person more valuable because they're rich? No, they're not. Treat all people with respect. Made in the image of God. Number two there is take the message of salvation because all people need to be saved. Take the message to every human being because they're all valuable and they need to have spend eternity with Jesus Christ and the only way they can know that is that we take on the message. The third thing is realize our stewardship over the earth. Earth is, is for man. We're to subdue it. It belongs to God. 
doesn't belong to us, but it belongs to him. It is given to us. And, and all that God has given us, the world, the animal, the possessions that were used for his honor and glory, we are stewards of all that God has given. So how do you view the world and its resources? What God has given to you and your possessions were to use for the glory of God. And there are people today and they're all talking about taking care of the world and all of the global warming and everything. Be wise in what we do. But remember, the, we're not here for the world. The world is here for us. May we glorify our God as we look at his attributes, as we see his creation, as we realize that we are made in the image of God and stewards of his creation. Let's pray, and then if we have any time, we'll open up for questions. Dear Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for the creation of man. Thank you, Lord, as we look at this, that in, in your specialness, the way you did it, you created us in your image. And, Lord, it's beyond our comprehension to understand everything that means. But you have placed us on this earth, made in your image to rule and subdue and to, and to, to do all of these things. And so, Lord, we just want to be wise stewards. We want to love people. We want to realize that every human being is valuable, that we're made in the image of God. And we see the value of people and we treat them with respect and we love them. And we take the message. Lord, we realize that you are God and you're the creator and you're powerful and you're wise and you're God of purpose and a God of order. And you do all things well. You do all things perfectly May we trust you, may we live for you, may we glorify you, and may we be wise stewards of what you have given to us for your glory, because we're made in your image to bring glory to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.